Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins homestand post-All-Star break has concluded. We'll dive into all of it. We might as well start right away. Their latest game was a win over the Dallas Stars. Uh, Bridget, Scott, opening shifts. Bridget, want to go first? Sure, I will go first. So I guess it makes sense for me to go first, too, because this is the first thing that happened. It happened before the game. Um, It was Marshawn's 1,000th game celebration, and we got a chance to see um, all the, you know, the video tribute that they they do in the beginning, but then also in the first media timeout of the first period, they they did a video where players from around the league um, reached out and said congrats to Marshawn, and that included uh, some guys that he skates with in the summer, like McKinnon and Crosby, uh, Krug, you know, some of the former teammates around the league. Uh, Tyler Sagan was in the video as well, um, but former teammates were in the one that are retired now or, or in the Bruins organization were in the ones um, in the pregame. And, and that was Zidane Ochara, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Ray Bork. And Marshawn after the game told me that yesterday, Bobby Orr called him and he thought that was like unheard of. Like he, he couldn't believe that uh, he was getting a phone call from Bobby Orr. Um, so it's been great. He said he's had so many people reach out for his 1000th game. Um, and they got the win for it. So uh, it looked like it could have been, you know, kind of a, a day that got a little bit of the wind taken out of it. But uh, instead, Marshawn, who decided, apparently decided to fight slash hug uh, during the game and then had an important role later in the shootout. And um, it, it ended up being a memorable day for, for him with the ceremony and just the way that things turned out with the win. Yeah, I, f- I feel like... Brad Martian being surprised by a call from Bobby Orr is kind of like when Taylor Swift still acts surprised when she wins awards. It's like, dude, you're in the group. Like, like you're, you're a Bruins legend, you know, you, you get calls from other Bruins legends. Um, I, I think this surprise more comes from like, when you, when you think about it, when you're a kid, like, do you, like when you foresee yeah. this moment, you don't really like it, it doesn't come until it's right there and you are actually experiencing it. That that's what, I mean, think about it. If you were growing up as a kid, and you were like a, you know, a big NHL fan, you want to make the NHL, it would be huge if Bobby R randomly called you at any point for any reason. So mm-hmm. he, 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 he does, does ra- he does randomly call me sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, lucky yeah. you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, my opening shift is perhaps the other biggest story from the day. And that was the NHL debut of Justin Brazo and his first NHL goal. Uh, got he was signed he was on an AHL contract so they had to sign him to an NHL contract it's a two-year two-way deal cap hit of 775,000 and he gets called up 
uh, before yesterday's game, makes his debut at 26 years old. It's been a, a long road for him. He was undrafted out of the OHL. Uh, it, his first three pro seasons, he spent time bouncing between the AHL and the ECHL. Never had an NHL contract. Started out in the Toronto organization. This is his third year with the Bruins. Um, but, you know, he's he's really made a push and in, in risen up the ranks. Um, you know, call him a late bloomer or whatever. But uh, he, he had a strong training camp in, in preseason for the Bruins. And people might not remember this, but he hung around pretty deep into training camp which obviously is a sign of like a guy that the team wants to keep taking a look at. At one point they even, they announced that he had been sent down to Providence camp. And then he was back at practice the next day and played in the next preseason game again. So it was almost like even after they caught him the first time, they were like, well, you know what? Wait a second. I want to see that Brezzo kid one more time. And so he's obviously been on their radar. He's had a good season in Providence playing on lines with, Georgie Merkulov, Fabian Lysel, so he's up in the lineup. And he comes up and he gets five shots on goal in his NHL debut in, in a little over 11 minutes uh, on an effective fourth line with Anthony Richard and Jesper Bokvist, um, who I, I don't think the three of them were ever, like, all together as a line in Providence, but they have all played with each other at various points, so there is some chemistry there. Um, but you saw what, he, what he's going to do best. He gets to the front of the net. That's where he scores his goal. He's obviously hard to move. He's 6'5". He's, he's listed at 245. I think he's actually lost some weight since um, since that registered. But either way, a big body and not someone that's going to be easy to move. On his goal, he got position on Ryan Suter, um, you know, who while we're talking about career games, he's over 1,400. So, you know, that's not, that's not some rookie you're pushing around. That's, you know... Uh, a veteran who's, who's been around. So um, yeah, it was, it was an impressive debut for Brezzo. Yeah. I yeah mean, this one, this, this subject, we have probably so much more to say, but we'll save it for after Brian's opening shift. Cause there's a lot there. There is a lot there. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely an, uh, an instant upgrade. I feel like in, in a lot of ways on that fourth line. So for me, I, I just kind of want to get a pulse check on from, from you two and, 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 and listeners. Um, on where this Bruins team is right now, because if you look at the standings, they are second in the National Hockey League, three points behind Vancouver. They are first in the Eastern Conference. They're first in the Atlantic. You know, they're leapfrogging with with Florida uh, as of late. But so I understand clearly in the standings, the Bruins, they're they're high in the sky and, and, and all is well. Got it. But I want to ask what matters most to you guys and to Bruins fans, because uh, you know, basically, there were stretches over this last seven-game homestand, a homestand where they went two, three, and two. And they had some losses where I would hear afterwards, they played really well, everything but the result, they deserved better. And I just want to know if those same people now, uh, after yesterday's win against Dallas, will say, you know what? They didn't really deserve the game. They got the two points, great, but they didn't play well. So I want to know what matters most to people. Does does collecting points matter most, or does does playing well matter most? Because this team, points wise, will be in the playoffs. So I don't care if they finish first in the conference or if they finish in a wild card spot. I, 
I now obviously if they finish wild card, it means that their their play might be slipping in the points. But I want them playing the right way come playoff time. And that that win against Dallas, I mean, you get out shot forty six to thirty um, overtime and in the shootout, you constantly gave Dallas chances to win that game. The Bruins were lucky to get the win. So I just want to see if the same people who are applauding them for strong efforts and defeat, which I agree with, and then if they're going to be consistent and say, you know what, that was not good enough yesterday despite the two points. And and what matters most to you guys with this team down the stretch? It's playing well, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as as Jim Montgomery said after the game, results are funny sometimes. Like, I, So he highlighted the previous three games. To me, there were – two games on this homestand that they lost that I thought they quote unquote deserved to win. And that would be Tampa Bay and Seattle. I thought they were the better team in both of those games. Again, deserved in quote marks because you don't deserve anything in hockey, but they probably deserve to win those games. The Kings game I felt a little differently about because while they were better for long stretches of that game, like they, they also just made too many mistakes in the third period that you can't make when you're trying to close out a game. And, and even late in the second period when they were up three to one. So that one I feel differently about because it's like, okay, you did a lot of good things to get the lead, but some problems that have popped up throughout the season with not being able to close out games resurfaced again. So to me, you don't, you don't deserve to win if you can't close it out and you make too many mistakes. Um, and yeah, the Dallas game, Dallas was the better team, especially through the first 40 minutes. They borderline dominated much of the first two periods, and it was 2-2 going into the third. Um, one thing I would flip on this in terms of, you know, any like potential hypocrisy about results versus way you play, if we're going to rip them for the collapse against the Kings and not having what it takes to close out a game or not wanting it or whatever you think the issue is. Well, then you also have to give them credit for quote unquote, wanting it or having desperation to come back and tie up the stars and get it to overtime. Like that, you know, there was, there was desperation down the stretch and you end up with the tying goal in an extra attacker situation on a great pass by Charlie McAvoy and a great one-time finish by David Pasternak. So if you're going to, you know, rip those guys for not doing enough to close out a game, you do also have to give them credit for coming back and coming back multiple times because they trailed Dallas multiple times and came back. Yeah, the the part where it was feeling like more of the same not being able to close out narrative was uh, when they gave up that that third goal and uh, in the third and it's like, okay, well, they're down by one late again. Uh, it, are they going to be able to find one here? And and of course it comes with uh, from, from Pasternak and it was – such a a great like it was such a like a deceptive play that McAvoy made where he was completely not looking in the direction of Pasternak just backing his defender off until that lane opened wide like wide open passing lane for the perfect one-timer from a place that Pasternak scores so often so um it, it was also uh Swayman's the the most saves Swayman has ever made in a game that's how much they got outshot by though. Like, like you mentioned, Brian, like they, they allowed a lot of shots on goal to the point where it was like a, a record for Swayman who played really well. And we, it kind of brings us back around to that. Uh, sometimes their goaltending might have to bail them out. And he played so well and in the shootout too. And, and he's one of those weird people who says he 
loves the shootout. Uh, a lot of goalies don't, but he thinks it's great. Uh, so I, for, in terms of like, should we be, or are people going to be critical of them, even though they won, like, or should we be more critical of losses or like, res, res that looked good or results when they win, uh, but don't look good. I, I think people just find a way to, to kind of complain and and i mean it's our job to analyze it as well so we can talk about the good and the bad of of everything and not really get too high or low unless it's like really obviously a horrible trend in the wrong direction that is um gonna be concerning come playoff time but there was one concern that actually is you know something that we need to bring up and scott this was originally going to be your opening shift but um bruins win but hampus lindholm gets injured and does not come back to the game when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply yeah, he, he went home, went down early in the third period. Um, just kind of an awkward play in the corner where he got tangled up with the Stars player. I think he maybe like banged slash jammed his knee into the boards and then fell awkwardly, was slow getting up, slow getting off. He initially stayed on the bench and then the next TV timeout, uh, he took a little twirl around, kind of shake things off. He was, you could see him flexing that left leg, you know, kind of massaging it a little. And then he gets back to the bench and goes right down the tunnel. And that was, that was it. There was Montgomery didn't have any update after the game. Um, he said there were no more Tuesday. I'm guessing there's probably some sort of valuation before the team gets on the plane out West. Um, obviously first, I guess, just to know, is he going on a trip? You know, is, is there a chance he plays sometime over these next four games? Obviously it'd be, you know, pretty concerning if he's not traveling, that means he's out at least four games. So uh, there's no Bruins media availability on Tuesday. So I guess we won't know anything until Wednesday. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, if it's short term, if it's minor, all right, you deal with it for a game or two or whatever it is and, and figure it out. If it's longer term, then yes, I would say that, you know, that would dramatically impact how Don Sweeney approaches the trade deadline. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> you were talking about adding like maybe a bottom pair defenseman and and now you're going to like, okay, well now you have a, a hole in your, your top four. So uh, you, you got to almost look for a higher quality uh, defenseman in that, in that case, but obviously still early to, to tell. And uh, it was awkward. So I hate when it, it just kind of like the, the Potra injury, it's like, it doesn't look that bad. And even if you go back and watch it, like you can see all like the actual collision isn't what does it. It's like the, like the very end of it where his knee gets like pushed on like a tiny bit in, in, in a weird direction. And, and then he goes down and, and you, you can tell, like, obviously you put him right off, right off balance. And it's, it wasn't a strong enough hit to knock you over. So that's how, you know, something like ha happened in, in his leg. Um, to cause him to fall. And 
the fact that he, I don't think he took another shift after that. So um, he just, like Scott said, got on there and just like tried it out and then went down the tunnel. So we'll see about that. But that obviously changes our conversation about the trade deadline and about what the needs are. Because as of yesterday, I think Brian, no, it wasn't you that texted me this. It was our, our coworker, Nick, who said like this Shattenkirk Forbert pair is just killing me. Uh, so like we're already talking about how some of the defensemen are not uh they're not performing super well right now i know scott's been on forbert for a while uh ray croft on sunday skate razor completely disagreed with you about this he likes forbert uh and obviously forbert's not really tradable at the trade deadline but um scott and maybe over the course of the rest of the season you and razor are gonna butt heads on this the forbert topic well it and what, like I said, like my my issue with Forber right now, even beyond his play, is how dumb he made me look on Twitter Saturday because I actually tweeted out a defense of like why he's still playing, you know, highlighting some fancy stat stuff about how few high danger chances he gives up when they give up when he's on the ice, uh, how teams don't get chances at the net front, and he played like maybe his worst game of the season on set. Like, I think that was like the first period when I tweeted that out and like the next 45 minutes of that game were just brutal for him. So did you delete it where you're like, JK? No, it's, it's still up there. Still, still get, still getting roasted in the quote tweets. So (laughs) So that's what happens when you go out on a limb, when your original opinion was that you, you were concerned with his play as of late. And then you right. tried to convince yourself that you were, you know, you, you were trying to uh, be unbiased and see if you could prove yourself wrong. But let that be a lesson, kid. Ne- kids, never, never be nice to people. Never give anyone the benefit of the doubt. Never. Um, <laughs> except for that, as a goaltender, apparently uh, you'd rather have Forbert out there than than a lot of other guys because Razor said that's the kind of guy that you need in front of your goalie in the playoffs, and that's who he would want. So, um, Brian, your thoughts on that pair, like Weatherspoon not being in, and what they should do if if they're missing Lindholm? Well, I mean, if they're missing Lindholm, you still have a number one defenseman, and most teams, if they were to lose a Lindholm type, they would have no more number one defenseman. So I think – I still don't think the Bruins have. I think you bring up Lori. Obviously, I think I think that's kind of a uh, you know a natural decision. I think he should be up there regardless. Um, but the Bruins don't have the they don't have the capital to make anything crazy happen. They're ham, they're hamstrung, so it is what it is. And and I feel this way about this team, whether or not they have Lindholm in the lineup or not. Like I just think if if this team if this team is as good as everybody says that they are then they shouldn't need to add much really. And and we saw what happened. Like they should, they should be good enough to, to roll with what they have. Right. If, if everybody thinks that they're truly one of the best teams in the league, which I don't necessarily dispute. I'm just saying like, it, it, you can't on the one hand be like, Oh, well they're, you know, they're, they're one of the top teams in the league and they've been, and, and they've been showing it all year. And then I understand like Lindholm goes down as a big piece. I understand that, but I think you just replace it internally with Laura because you don't have the capital to do it. You have to trust this team. It's it's why, even if it's why like you know the Bruins wouldn't be in on on the Lindholm stuff. Like I I don't think I don't think um, Elias Lindholm that is like at center. It's like Coyle and Zaka. Their numbers are good. Like th- their numbers are better than Elias Lindholm's this year. Like it's 
to to I think this year for the most part, it's you have to kind of just trust the players that are there and see what they can do. Kind of the opposite approach of last year. If you want to find a complimentary player, that's fine. But as far as as far as Forbert goes, I think Razor's right. I think that I think that people are very quick to 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 shit on him. And I I understand why I'm watching the games that they're watching. I see that his foot speed's not there. I see that he's missing assignments and that he's having some boneheaded plays. But when Razor says you need that guy in the playoffs, you do. And and, and Forber is the only guy that they have that's like that, that's gonna sit there and eat shots left and right and 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 do the things that nobody really wants to do in the playoffs. Do you want Charlie McAvoy blocking those shots that Forbert blocks all the time? No. Uh, as far as Watherspoon goes, he still has some stripes to earn a little bit. Um, I just don't know what people want. Like, wh- like, what are you gonna do? What What can you do with Forbert? Like, for you need a guy like that. I agree, he's not playing great, but you need a guy like that in your third pair. Who's replacing him? Like, the funny. What are you gonna do with him? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, uh, th- this is probably more of a, a hot take than than anything else that Razor said. But he was like, if you wanted to trade Forbert at the trade deadline, he'd probably get you more than most at most anyone else like that you'd be willing to trade. I, I heard that, and I don't necessarily disagree. Like, again, if you're a contender, I mean, who, who do you think who do you think a Stanley Cup team values more? Like, like, okay, so who's the alternative, right? Like Mac Rizlik, right? Like. Does like the Colorado Avalanche, for example, I know every team's different because some teams have things that other teams don't, but like when Colorado has Kale McCarr and Devon Taves and, you know, Sam Gerrard and, and uh, Bo Byram, if those guys are all healthy, like what do you need Grizzly for? You don't, you want somebody like a, a forward if you're going to add something like, I'm just like championship teams very much value like that. That's that big body who can block shots. Simply put, now if you're if you're a contender that's lacking transition game, yeah, then maybe Grizzly. But I think most contenders probably have a good some good transition defensemen. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll stand by the same thing I said on Sunday skate too, which is that if someone wants to give me a first round pick for Derek Forbert, I'm taking it and throwing a parade for Don Sweeney. If you can even get like a second, that would be incredible. I yeah, I've been of the opinion that anything that involves moving forward, I almost think like you have to throw in an asset as some sort of cap dump. But if they could get like a real asset for that and then turn that around as ammunition to go get, you know, a, a more well-rounded upgrade, like I would be all for that. I just don't think it's realistic. And, um, you know, I, and I think Brian, to your point about like Forbert has some value when he's on his game, that's why they're continuing to play him because he's still working back from, from his injury issues and at the very least, they owe it to themselves to see what they have before the trade deadline to know, like, okay, either he's tracking the right way and he's still playable, or, boy, we just don't think he's going to get it back this season. We actually do have to do something there. Like, you can only figure that out by playing him. So saying, oh, he had a bad game Saturday, let's bench him for the next week. Okay, well, now you've lost one of – you know, two and a half weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Like you, you can't do that. So, um, you know, and if he's still here after the deadline, then you owe it to yourself to try to get him right for the playoffs. So he does have value for, for you so that he is a useful player. 
come the postseason. So yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be hiccups and there's gonna be some ugly games and, and we've seen a few of those recently, but um but I also get why they're playing him, even though you know it's tempting to sit there and say Wotherspoon's maybe had some better games recently. Why not just play Wotherspoon every game over him? And it's like because there's there's a bigger picture in mind that this team has to be looking at. I don't look, I'm not saying Forbert has to be an every single day defenseman for them. He could be their seventh defenseman. I'm just saying, like, when you go to the playoffs, like I'd rather have if you want to go out there and get a Jacob Middleton and, and your third D pair is Middleton and Shattenkirk or Middleton and Watherspoon or Forbert, and it's like a rotation of those guys, that's fine. Like I, I it's fine. Um I it's it just it's interesting to me. Like people are like, ah, oh, Forbert sucks, get him out of here. But then they want the Bruins to bring in Jacob Middleton at the deadline. It's like, I, I I think Middleton's objectively better than Forbert. I'm just saying, like, it's the same type of player. Like, you're getting rid of one type of player to bring in another. Potentially, it's like, I, I just, yeah, you, you trust me. If if the Bruins go far this year, I'm sure there'll be a time where Forbert blocks a shot that would have been an automatic goal, and people are going to be like, oh, thank God we had that guy. Um and I also don't think like look in the same breath, and this might sound hypocritical, but your your third your third you know your third D pair defenseman on the left side is not make or breaking your Stanley Cup hopes this year. I hate to break it to anybody. Like Derek Forbert's not going to be the reason the Bruins don't go as far this year as they might. It's just not true. But you do you at least need your third parent to keep their head above water because I I, I think one of their biggest issues against Florida last year was. That Forbert Clifton third pair and got absolutely wrecked in that series. Like they were, they were poor. It's not the only reason the Bruins lost. Obviously, there's lots of them, but that was one of them. Yeah, Clifton, Clifton, uh, giving a tape to tape pass, you know, uh, in the neutral zone transition to whoever the hell it was in Florida. Like literally, he could have gone to any one of his teammates, and he goes right up the middle. Like I'm not going to blame Forbert on that. I, I think I think Clifton was very um, all over the map. He was, he was like, you know, Forbert's not going to – Forbert might – he's going to get burned wide here and there, right? He he might get out – somebody might be a little bit finesse around him because he's whatever, but he's not going to try to do too much. Clifton was doing way too much, and 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 I just think that uh, I don't want to absolve Forbert. I, it's, it's been a long time since last spring. I don't remember every single game specifically, but I remember watching Clifton and being like, he's all, he's all, all over the place right now. They're just making boneheaded passes, but yeah, um, I, I just don't. To me, like, I, there's there's so many more areas where I think the Bruins need to like, like I want the Bruins third D pair to be bigger and tougher to play against. And Forbert's like that kind of guy. I'm to me, like, I think they could add another one, another player that can help him. Like, like I think a Middleton, and I, again, I, I'd have to check their hand in this. Are they both lefties or is Middleton a righty? Yeah. They're yeah, both lefties. lefties. All right, so that's kind of. Want to have to play their offside, but just in general, like I, I don't want that third D pair to be small. Like I don't want Grizzly on that third D pair, and and I'm bringing up Grizzly because it's kind of like him or Forbert, right? Um, people talk about, but like I think like f- for me, like the Bruins have to address like their their bottom six chemistry. Um, I don't know. I the last one of the last things on my mind is like that third D pair guy, like over Forbert. Like I think there's other places they have to address. Um, so. And maybe that's internal, like third line. Like again, like I, I like Brazo a lot yesterday. I think he could be he could be a homestay on the uh, on the fourth line, but like 
I don't know. I don't want to take up too much time, but I, I just, I just think I, I'm not, I don't want to harp on Derek Forbert. Like I think there's other areas that they need to improve upon.